Chapter 24 of Your Psychic Powers and How to Develop Them. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Your Psychic Powers and How to Develop Them by Harroward Carrington. Chapter 24 Prayer, Concentration, and Silence. The subjects treated in this chapter will probably be of special value to the student after that immediately preceding it. We have already spoken of the value of prayer in certain cases, and it may be said that both silence and concentration, under certain conditions, will always prove of great value, not only in the cure of obsession, but at all other times when dark clouds loom up on the horizon. In order to secure the best results from these psychological processes, however, they should be practiced according to certain laws, and the reason for their operation should be thoroughly understood by the student. What the silence really signifies. What is called the silence in general New Thought philosophy is a peculiar psychic state into which the student enters in order to secure certain results. As the term implies, quiet or silence are necessary factors, but they are mere means to an end. Silence in itself would achieve nothing. It means that in this condition, thereby induced, certain practices may be followed, which produce the desired results. Concentration is the focusing of the entire being at any given moment upon a central point of interest, either inward or outward, as the case may be. It may be upon some object, or some inner thought or psychic condition. Concentration upon objects is usually employed as a mere outward exercise, to train the mind to act according to instructions, so to speak so that when the time comes, it may be employed in useful and helpful psychic activity. The value of concentration. Concentration means power. The more we concentrate on anything, the more certain it is to be accomplished, and the better will the results be. Just as a number of streams meeting at a certain point will create a rushing, mighty current, so in the same manner will scattered psychic activity and forces, if brought to a common point, produce certain powerful results, which may be centered, or turned into one direction or into another. One of the chief practical uses of concentration is the use it may be put to, to hold or bind the self together. We should never let it be scattered in a variety of separate channels of expression, but rather concentrated into one single powerful unit. Just as the strands of a rope may become separated, so the mind may become disintegrated and lose its initial power. In this weakened condition, it can be acted upon by other minds and forces, just as the single strands of rope can be broken, but the whole rope would resist any strain put upon it. The mind, when concentrated and acting under proper direction and control, is similarly impervious to all outside influences which may not be desired, and at the same time is itself a powerful factor either for good or evil. Concentration Exercises a few simple exercises in concentration may here be given, which will be found useful not only in psychic development, but in every phase of life. 1. Read a page of some heavy technical book, the meaning of which is not at all clear to you. Reread the page with the determination to understand what it means. Read this over a number of times if necessary, never letting your will relax for a moment, but determined to understand the thought of the author. If you do this, you will, after a few readings, the number varying, be enabled to grasp fully what is meant. 2. 
place a watch in front of you and look at the second hand until it has completed the circle marking the minute. During this process, never let your thoughts wander from the second hand for a moment. Concentrate upon it fully. You will probably find that your thoughts are wandering, and that you cannot even for the space of a minute fix them absolutely under your control. Practice this until you have succeeded in accomplishing it. 3. Call up before your mind's eye a picture of a certain living friend. Hold this image in front of you as long as possible, making the details in every way as clear as you can by endeavoring to fill out mentally the color of the hair, of the eyes, the complexion, and any peculiar markings that you can remember. Now, when the face is vivid before your mind's eye, see whether you can discover any peculiarities in the face hitherto unknown to you. If you note anything of the kind, ascertain the next time you see this friend whether or not these impressions are correct. 4. Call up before your mental vision the face of some dead relative or friend. Concentrate upon it, holding it firmly before you in space. Study it closely, filling in all details as before. Finally, when you have held this vividly for a minute or so, without wavering in your attention, open your psychic or mental ears, so to speak, and see if you can receive any message from the person whose face is before you. This will be found a very useful practice on occasion at the beginning of your mediumship, and will enable you possibly to receive direct communications when you have tried in every other way and failed. You will not be able to do so, however, until you have mastered fully this faculty of concentration. THE DYNAMIC POWER OF THE MIND Having progressed so far, you may now concentrate upon certain mental or psychic processes while willing or demanding that some return be made as a result of your volitional activity. Remember that every thought you send out into the universe attracts to itself others of a like nature and ultimately returns to the sender with added power, just as a boomerang returns to the thrower. Altruistic thoughts, such as love, justice, forgiveness, etc., will therefore return to the owner and make him happier for having thought them. Evil and malevolent thoughts will, on the contrary, return and make the sender more unhappy and more innately evil in consequence. The path we travel, whether it be upward or downward, always gets easier as we proceed. We are helped along not only by the powers of good or darkness, but by our own thoughts and their results. Thoughts are things. No thought is ever annihilated, and there is evidence to show that thought can take material form on occasion, and influence, either for good or evil, those at a distance. This will be more fully explained, however, in subsequent chapters. THE VALUE OF PRAYER We must now say a few words on prayer, and its great value to one who sends out the prayer thought. There are many who believe that prayer is superstition, since they do not believe in a personal God who grants or answers prayers, but rather in an impersonal creative power which orders all things according to unvarying laws. Even on this theory, however, prayer, under certain conditions, is fully justified. For, in the first place, as we have just seen, helpful and wholesome thoughts tend to bring their own reward. In the next place, prayer is an auto-suggestion of great value, and its influence upon the mental and physical life is frequently very great. In the third place, prayer will help and buoy you up by giving you added confidence and belief in your powers. In the fourth place, inasmuch as telepathy is a fact in nature, you may, while in that condition, 
reach the minds of other human beings who can help you and will actually do so without knowing why the many interesting cases which may be found of answers to prayers bringing a material return fully justify its use from that point of view fifth you can doubtless reach by telepathy friends in the spirit life who may be brought into more or less direct touch with you during the prayerful condition of mind which is certainly closely akin to certain phases of subjective mediumship they may in this manner be made aware of your condition for the first time and will then endeavor to help you sixth by prayer you may bring yourself into harmony with the great cosmic currents of good which as before explained are playing hither and thither upon our universe in much the same way as light heat gravitation electricity and other material forces play or act upon it and us all these material factors must be taken into account apart from the possibility that there is a receptive loving and protecting power in the world which is capable of helping us in time of need prayer in obsession in obsession cases particularly prayer is of value because of the relief from tension and the wholesome mental attitude induced just as a drowning man will clutch at a straw so those who are in terrible distress will frequently resort to this practice when they would not think of doing so at any other time and in a sense they are justified in so doing there is an old saying that man's extremity is god's opportunity it may be that prayer in the ordinary sense of the word is not needed during an ordinary healthy life provided that it is lived in accordance with the laws of nature and according to its own highest mental and spiritual insight at the same time there may be occasions when it is justified and helpful and certainly it is proved so in certain cases of difficulty and obsession how prayer cures the beneficial effects of prayer may be explained in many cases quite simply as explained in the chapter devoted to the subconscious mind certain groups of thoughts tend to become bound together forming what is known as a complex if this activity be wholesome the result is beneficial and in fact all our educational processes depend upon this complex formation on the other hand these groups of thoughts may be harmful in which case they tend to press upon the mind from beneath in much the same way that physical tumors might press upon some healthy structure in the body and impede its functional activity the mind therefore becomes diseased by reason of this pressure and will only resume its wholesome attitude when this pressure is removed by means of hypnotic suggestion and spiritual treatment the mind may be opened up and explored and this complex found and removed this once done the mind is restored to its wholesome activity and the cure is complete this is known in technical language as the purging treatment as soon as the unwholesome load is removed the mind is cured now in prayer when a full and free confession is made this same purging process occurs the mind is freed from its burden and is consequently restored to health by its own inner nature this being so it may be seen that prayer as such is a real curative process and in many types of obsession and similar cases it may be employed effectually as before said as a therapeutic measure of great value in curing the sick mind end of chapter twenty four